Greetings, fellow Earthlings. Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. Seeking the truth, exposing the lies. Remember, together, we are unstoppable. Keep on digging. Reporter Aaron Matei, he won an award for debunking the whole Russiagate thing. Did you Do you know the whole story behind that? No, I don't. So Russiagate was started by the Clintons. They hired an ex-MI6, basically the equivalent of the UK's equivalent of the CIA. So they hired an ex-MI6 guy who's now a private investigator to go dig up dirt on Trump in Russia. And he wrote what's called the Steele dossier. And that's the background of that whole BS. That's the foundation of it all. So once you realize who he is and that he was paid to go dig up dirt and you know it's a political hit piece, it loses all credibility. Right. People still talk about that bullshit. What's going on, adorable? What's up? I, I just came in to uh, control the agenda. What's up, buddy? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Control the narrative. <laughs> Same difference. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You fu- you fuckers are always trying to trying to uh, silence us. <laughs> so to be clear, Rose, I'm not a fucker because I'm the one getting fucked. You know, somebody's that getting fucked. A, that would be a fucky, right? Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> you fucky. <laughs> Both by men and Democrat. Either way, I'm fucked. Uh... <laughs> well, we're all getting fucked by Democrats, but by Republicans too, though. I don't, I, I don't disagree. In fact, you know, I go like every week I go through like this midlife crisis politically where I literally look at myself and go, how the fuck can I still be Republican? Because some of the shit goes on, especially in Texas. But then I like I hear a Democrat speak, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's exactly why. So I'm like politically confused. I'm like, come, you know, come to the third party. Well, yeah. no, like I want to win. If I ever run for office, I want to win. <laughs> I know that sounds well, so bad. <laughs> did you know? Did you know that the uh, People's Party made it on the ballot in 15 different states, and they're actually taking nominations. And you don't well, even yeah, have to have you, you can experience. get on the ballot. You can get on the ballot. You know, Kanye West was on the ballot for president. Getting on the ballot and actually getting elected are two fundamentally different things. Yeah, yeah. but adorable things are changing. Like uh, people, people are open for it now. And honestly, I think we're going to see a mass migration away from these parties. I think so too. I mean, Trump basically had to offer a lot of the same things as Bernie Sanders. You know, yeah, and and you know what's funny is because I I get into debates with the far right who tends to be Trump supporters, and like it's so frustrating because they don't understand. Like, number one, Trump's not a conservative; he's populist. But if you really break down what he wanted, it really isn't fundamentally different than the idea of democratic social. You know, like when I say. I don't have a problem with universal health care. And they like shit a brick and go like, oh my God, you're a rhino. I'm like, no, I'm a fiscal conservative. Why would I be opposed to a national health care system that covers more people and costs? Is that not what we're supposed to stand for as conservatives? 
thank you. <laughs> they would call you a cuck. Yeah, they probably would, and then I'd be like, "You, you forgot the top. It's a cock." <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, what what makes you uh, physically conservative? Like, what does that mean to you? To me, it means that we're focused on the most efficient way to get the best outcome. So, like universal health care, right? Right now, the United States spends roughly 18% of GDP on the socialized medicine that we do have, which is Medicare, Medicaid, and the VA. But yet, we still have the highest infant mortality rate and lowest life expectancy of any industrialized nation. But if you look at our counterparts, particularly those with socialized medicine, they're spending 13 to 15% of GDP. So we could spend 13 to 15% of GDP, cover every American, and hopefully have better outcomes. So to me, being a fiscal conservative means we're going to spend less money, but we're also going to have better outcomes. Because spending less money, like in their mind, social programs, oh, let's just cut food stamps. Well, that may save money, but it's not a better outcome. People aren't going to suddenly get healthier and have better access to food options, et cetera. So I think both of those things need to happen to be a true fiscal conservative. Less spending with better outcomes. That's a great point. And, and I just want to interject, if we cut food stamps without having universal health care, then we're creating a nightmare down the road. All these people are going to have to go to emergency rooms, right? Right. Well, that's why I'm in favor. And, and here's where I like they also shit a brick. I have no problem with universal, universal basic income. I say we eliminate socialized spending by giving everybody an allowance and you decide what you want to do with it. If you're fortunate enough to be blessed financially, great. You put it in the stock market and you create generational wealth. If you're not financially blessed, great. Here's $1,000 a month to do with what you need. Like we, if you look at our socialized system in America and the amount that goes to administrative services and salaries just to administer these programs, we're talking about billions of dollars that we can cut out and just put back into people's pockets. Well, I mean, I would ask you, though, uh, at that point, then that means we're cutting jobs, right? And then, so what do those people do? And then also, the, that $1,000 isn't going to be enough for those people to get by. It's actually less than what they're getting in, uh, like, food stamps and all the other things. So but, they would you... their, but they would still get their sub the subsidies. They would still get their subsidies with the $1,000. Well, not, not with... Oh, uh, what's not, up, Cannon? Yes. <laughs> They I, bought, I heard a uh, voice and I'm like, who's that? I don't know. Adversaries. <laughs> yes, they brought up the, the liberal sort of, yes, uh, punching bag. Um, and I will gladly say that. Oh, what? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> well, check this out. I just watched a program recently about the new largest financial scandal in American history. Previously, it was the savings and loan scandal. But the new one, um, hundred to the tune of $120 billion, was the, uh, the pandemic unemployment assistance. And the, way, the reason is because fraud was rampant. 
55,000 California prisoners were getting paid while in jail. Are you kidding me? And B of A opted to not put a, a security chip in the debit card. So there was rampant cases of people like uh, vacant houses. A realtor called the IRS like, hey, there's 12 envelopes here for different people. And then all of a sudden the, the window was broken and the, all 12 of those envelopes were stolen. And because it was a non-traceable, no-chipped card, you could just go to 25 different ATMs and cash it. It's insane. Yeah, and the problem with California was, I mean, there was some clear missteps. Like, unlike states like Nevada and Arizona, um, California's criminal justice system and what they claimed was prisoner safety refused to allow the EDD access to the social security numbers of prisoners to cross-reference the claims. That's what they did in Arizona and Nevada, and they were able to eliminate that. And so... You know, right. when, when that issue was first presented, they could have had a stopgap in place, but basically they had to go to court. And, and so uh, to me, it's like there was fraud, but it was totally manageable. And it was just an example of bureaucratic missteps. And, and Gavin Newsom, you know, I'm not going to criticize him just because I'm a Republican, but at some point you have to take accountability as the governor and say, we fucked up. But yet he yeah, constantly state, tries to justify it. Yeah, the state auditor warned him three times, I think it was, once in 2018, before the pandemic even, saying that the Employment Development Department is ripe for corruption because it's antiquated, it doesn't have up-to-date equipment, it's understaffed, and if anything happens, it's going to be completely overloaded. And guess what that happened? But the, but the main thing is I think B of A went in with the intent of having of fraud committed but from their end they don't care as long as that money gets spent they get paid right so they don't care who's spending it they wanted all those all those payments to be spent right yes but in the same sense i mean like you, we know the fraud has happened within the medical sort of like aspect down in florida you know what i mean and we know the kickbacks that happen to either be lobbyists state lobbyists or yeah. what have you so why is like even like you know former you know <laughs> former uh, uh, you know governor himself Rick Scott when he was there he didn't let a lot of that stuff to go the way that like the Santos is like go through and now that he's the senator he knows where he can't go too deep in to in the Santos is sort of like what his projection is and not put any mud on him so he'll stay out of that but like where's Florida's always been sort of messy with that. It's always been messy with that. When it came to the pill farms or it came to like, you know, aspects of all that stuff, we, we know, if you have read up, we know. We know how messy Florida has always been when it comes to the aspect of, you know, um, the medical aspect of how people are gaining a lot of money over that aspect of it. So I'll, yeah, say, that. I'll say that. Not to mention banks laundering drug money, right? <laughs> I'm just saying, it, it's Florida. You know what I'm saying? It's Florida. It was like, you know, yeah, it was the Wild West down there. It was, it was the Wild yeah. West down there. If I want to totally. launder money, I just put it in my butthole and then cross the border. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's the poor man's laundering. I'll say this. I, I just feel, I, I think, I honestly feel, and this is me being the, the total 
those sort of liberal. Um, I honestly feel that your party has been like usurped, not just outside like uh, 45, um, but like usurped like his minions. And his minions are going, they're going full kamikaze with the, you know, with the greens and some of the like people like I, I hear that are like, you know, trying to like be on the ballot for this November, um, they're all out. They're all out to like just either push the big lie. They're there to push division. They're there to push tribalism. And they're there to look at not like, do I have a point? I just want you to feel a certain way. Yeah. That's the way they're trying to get on ballot. Not that I have actual issue. I just want you to feel a certain way. And I just, I, I don't think politics works that way. You know? What's interesting? Can you guys believe that? Um, can you guys believe that people are still saying that the election was stolen? I I can believe that they're still saying it. Absolutely, absolutely, I believe that they're saying it. But I crazy to to your point, Cannon. What I think is interesting is there's certainly a far right rhetoric that attaches itself to the MAGA movement and. By extension, Donald Trump. But if you look at like presidential contenders like Ron DeSantis, the true conservatives know that Donald Trump is not far right. And I think that's why, in the case of Ron DeSantis, we see some extreme policy like the don't say gay bill, um, abortion messaging. Because I think what's happening is if Donald Trump runs in 2024, they're trying to position themselves as I'm right of Donald Trump. I'm the true conservative. And so I, I find it fundamentally odd that the MAGA movement itself wants to pretend like Donald Trump was this extreme far right candidate. But yet the true conservatives know, kind of like you inclined, he really wasn't a far right conservative by, by any stretch of the imagination. At all. <laughs> And, and then the fact that, like, you know, you have the heir apparent, you have the Nikki Haley's, you have, sadly, the Ted Cruz's, you have even, like, you know, um, I'm, I'm not sure if, if he's the governor of Delaware or Maryland. Um, the What's Hogan. that one dude's name? Howley? No, Hogan, because, like, he was, like... Um, oh, Josh, Josh Hawley. Yeah, Josh Hawley, Hawley whatever well, fuck his name. Really? Do you think Josh Hawley could lead the GOP. No, I just I just like, brought him up because I I just want to I just brought him up because I want to punch him in the face. But that's just me. <laughs> All right, but I'm just saying I'm I'm talking about the heir apparent. I'm talking about the guys who have guys and gals who have put themselves in situations that have built really good resumes and got sort of usurped when it came to the whole Trump thing. And if they are like, there's something that Bill Maher always say that's like sort of like you know Republican classic. You know what I mean? The um, when you look back at like, like you know the um, the McCain, the, like you know the Jack Kemp's, all those kind of like you know um, aspects of a party that were willing to work across the aisle. We're not there anymore. We're not there anymore. We saw with like you know with the like the confirmation of like you know Judge Jackson, the the, the nonsensical sort of aspect of like where the, the Democratic where the GOP is going to go. And well, the, the, the funny the thing about posture. that was, 
the, the funny thing about that was they went in there saying is like we're not going to sit here and talk about like fear. We're not going to sit here and talk about like you know what you did and you know what you did like when you were a kid and but about a bit of this, but about of that. But they had an onslaught of like saying basically she's cooled with kitty porn and had let people out on on those aspects. So it's well, like they still attack let's, her. Let's be clear that that type of posturing happens on both, on both sides of the yeah. aisle. Yeah, you know, the, the Democrat, you know, and it sucks because it should. You know, the, like any job interview, you stick to the credentials and their experience as it relates to the position that they're applying for. And I think, you know, what they did with, with Judge Brown was absolutely horrendous, um, especially when, when Ted Cruz started talking about sentencing and, and leniency, you know, because re- Republicans and conservatives, if we want to talk about leniency and sentencing, then all we got to do is take a look at every single Trump administration yeah. employee that is now walking free because of leniency. So I, I agree with you. I, I think it's unfortunate, but I, it's a consequence. I mean, we, we saw it with, you know, Brett Kavanaugh. And when Barack Obama was trying to get his final justice approved, you know, yeah. they're going to do one thing in one side and then they're going to flip and do the other. I mean, you know, Dave talked a little bit about election integrity. And I think what we're missing in politics on both sides is the reasonable people to stand up and not attack the other side, but their own side and say, this kind of shit needs to stop. Because I mean, you look like at election integrity, it's a fun talking point, 100%, it's fun. But at the end of the day, the only reason why anybody still talks about the election being stolen is not because they believe it was, but because that's the basis for pushing voter suppression laws. I mean, Republicans wanted to take this national battle cry for election integrity, but every single one of them sat on their ass when Brian Kemp, as Secretary of State, manipulated and abused his power as the state head of elections to rob Stacey Abrams of that election. Yes, yes. But not one conservative gave a shit when he was shutting polling places reducing the number of machines and criminalizing people for giving voters in certain demographic areas water to stand in line for four hours. But all of us are you sure you're a Republican? A I don't know if you're a Republican. Are you just <laughs> yes, like a secret is. agent? Are you just a secret agent? No, he's a he's a lo- he's a lost <laughs> cabin Republican. He's been for a good portion of No, and... he's our secret he's our secret agent. I'm going with that. Well but but he seemed to be a that, Soon to be a congressperson for the People's Party. There we go. <laughs> but but see, that's the thing that's unfortunate is I, I say things like that and people say, are you sure you're a conservative? Yes, I'm 100% for defending what is the greatest right protected by the Constitution, and that's the sanctity of voting. So the fact that I'm challenged at I recognize what is and is not protecting the right of people to vote, the fact that that's challenged now it, that's how far off the rails the Republican Party has gotten. And I've said this to a lot of my conservative colleagues that, you know, at the end of the day, if we want to have a discussion about election integrity, then we should start looking at the fact that we are the only country on the globe that has a national election that is not federalized. 
The election yes. for president is essentially 50 different elections going on on the same day. In the state of Texas, you have to be registered at least 20 days before the election. On California, you have same-day voting. In the state of Florida, your ballot has to be postmarked by a certain date. In Tennessee, they extended that so it can be postmarked after the date of the election. So when you have 50 different rules and regulations governing how we elect the same office, to me, that's a bigger election integrity issue than this made-up misconception of poll workers sharpying in Joe Biden's name and, and droves of ballots being destroyed. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I just, I just want to bring up one thing real quick. So, you know, when, when that the cry of, of election fraud came out, I mean, I'll be the first person to say we do not have legitimate elections, but it was not stolen from Trump. Um, and there's a reporter, Greg Pallast, an amazing investigative journalist who's been digging into U.S. elections for decades. And he did he did some great work on this with the help of a nonprofit organization. And he found, I believe it was Georgia, that took 750,000 people off of the rolls, voting rolls in Georgia illegally alone. And, and because of his organization, he forced these states to put those people back on um, after yes. the fact, unfortunately. But uh, and, and, so it was but, actually but a bait and switch. This was in the, um, the congressional level. I don't think, but that's why Stacey Abrams is such like, you know, she's like, when she went up against Kemp, honestly, she should have won that. She should have been the first uh, woman of color to be the gubernatorial sort of like winner of like when it came to like uh, uh, Georgia, she should have. Just plain and simple. Either be like, you know, gerrymandering or controlling the sort of ballot itself. But we know going on the other side of 2020, we know Trump's own government said it was the most freed, it was the most like clear cut, sort of like there was no shenanigans. There was no sort of this, that, or another. He lost, Joe won. Just plain and simple. I just I hate the fact that you have your Marjorie, you know, you have your Marjorie Green, and the, the you know the the bat chick, chick in um Colorado that still feel, and they they do fundraising, you know what I'm saying? It's like they can get censored and they can get like put where they can't vote or whatever, but like they're they're still drumming a beat to a point to where they think they can still be like get on Fox News or get on the more um what's the other one is it newsmax what's the other one what's the um it's newsmax right what's the other like really like far like right sort of like aspect of like word they like if you watch Breitbart. Fox, you think it's like, well Breitbart has been neutered to a certain extent but um but like you have them going out there and they reach out to them you know what i mean CNN. Like a, Whoa, whoa, don't, 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 don't hit me with CNN. I'm just trying to shit. You know. I'm just, I'm you know just trying to ruffle, you know I'm just trying to ruffle the, the feathers of the Democrat. <laughs> you know I'm just trying to ruffle CNN. Okay. If you said MSNBC, I will give you that, but just don't throw CNN just like too close into that. Just. I mean, is is there such thing as an honest mainstream 
news station that does not report from a bias? Nope. NPR. Or CNN. NPR. NPR. Or, or, C, or CIA, I mean. <laughs> the CIA News NPR. Network. Well, NPR used to be great before they became the corporation for public broadcasting. Well, why did they have to go through that way? Because who was taking funding from NPR and also PBS? Who wanted to take money out of that? Yeah. The same same people that now control them. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? I I disagree with that. I disagree with that. Don't you guys all think that... um, that that presidents should get free airtime and every party should get the same amount of free airtime and so we could level the playing field of you got to be a gazillionaire to even run uh just watch these fans how about that watch these yeah, fans you, 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 you i mean if you watch these fans you hear <laughs> them talk with no bias and i'm a huge fan of these fans that's a running joke yeah. that we have on the show that i do like I watch these things, you know what I mean. I watch the House. I watch the Senate. I watch whenever you know, outside when like you know, CNN decides like breaking to Joe trying his best to get through what he needs to do. But what I'm trying to say is, if you, no, I'm not a sports guy. I like I like wrestling. <laughs> I like MMA, and I used to be a real big fan of like boxing, but like. I kind of was sort of seeing like the writing on the wall when it comes to boxing. It's just it's a dying art, and as much as you can be a pugilist, when people put money behind you losing or winning, then if you that performer in that situation, they tell you in that room while they're taping you up, "Hey kid, have a good fight," but they got more money against you or for you than this is for you. Sent and when I found out about boxing, that's when I took my love out of boxing. What I'm trying to say is. Politics has always been my sport. Um, politics has always been something I've been very, very passionate about, either on a local level, uh, uh, a state level, and honestly, always on, on the federal level. Um, so I take umbrage to the fact that, like, when it came, like, you know, 2016, where people who had no idea what politics were were telling me what politics were. And I'm not sure, adorable, if you feel the same way. Um, the fact that, like, when we knew our shit, and now we have people telling us, "No, this is what's what's is happening." And it's like, well, you just went to you went down a rabbit hole because you saw something on Facebook, and now you think you know more than I do. But I know the way things work within said, like, in in the system itself. Um, before I go too long, guys have a lot of messages. Place the messages. I was going to mention that we got messages going back like over a half hour. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and play them. Deluxe. Coming in hot. <clears throat> You're talking about lack of freedom. Try to be a disabled person. My boy. That's Down syndrome. Or, uh, quadriplegic. Um, is some of the people I work with. Um, their lack of freedom or lack of respect is something that even is not even looked at or valued. Anyways, hey panel. Not trying to be depressing. Hope this is fun. Deluxe again. Well, most of the stuff is just based on fear and 
what it is is the almighty dollar and um yeah all these people all these rich old fucks talk to each other from all these other countries and they go okay what fear warmongering stuff we could present right and what's the best scenario to keep the populace at bay so no one actually uh rises up in uh in large amounts against uh, the system that is opposed upon us it doesn't matter what country you're in uh, it's all the countries they don't want the people to uh unify and um start thinking freely they want you to be docile they want you to be on your ass they want you to um just bow down to whatever they want uh we're just all the pawns you know what i mean and last message from Deluxe. I was actually fortunate to go to a political science class um, uh, back in my time in college. And it just, um, what what they do to make war happen is quite interesting. And what they have done, especially with the United States, <clears throat> to make war happen, um, it's all financial gain, of course. You guys already know that. Um, and whatever can be used or whatever persons, um, the common man that this we are, that they could push. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. If you're digging what I'm doing, picking up what I'm throwing down, please do share with friends and on social media. Until next time, keep on digging for the truth.